This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Curious Minds, where Paul Reed Smith, owner of PRS Guitars, and Master Luthier talks about his guitars, how they're made, and who plays them. He also discusses the impact of Carlos Santana's endorsement on his business and his life. It's a pretty good little series. Some might call it smooth, maybe? But me? I call it smooth featuring Rob Thomas. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. So you've got Nebula, why CuriosityStream? Nebula is a place for smaller, indie education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original video essays, films, documentaries, and whatnot from creators like Cat Black, Sarah Zed, and Abigail Thorne. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year, once again, by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula, giving you access to all the glory that is CuriosityStream and Nebula. Alright everybody, welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and server and chef and busboy, Kava Taharian. <laughs> uh, as you guys know, my co-host Lindsay Ellis is taking a well-deserved break. And as such, we have asked our good friend and fifth Beatle, Angelina Meehan, who is now, what are you, you're going to be like the first Beatle now. You're not even the fifth yeah, Beatle anymore. I am yeah. Paul, I'm Paul McCartney. I'm great on a bass guitar. I can slap yeah. out some piano. And if you need me, I can do the drums. Yes. So and we'll just pretend, Angie, it, was, <laughs> we'll pretend it was Ringo. <laughs> Angie, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. Hello. I am so excited to be here. I am like Dario Naharas 2.0. Like this is just such a good, exciting feeling to be here. And I feel, you know. Hopefully that this 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 is a very nice heartwarming thing coming from me. Even though every time I've been on the show, it's almost always been for Phantom related garbage. So yeah, hi, hi. I'm Angelina. We're, yeah, <laughs> welcome. You if you don't know who Angelina is at this point, you should just turn around and listen to all the episodes. Which, by the way, fun fact: our highest rated episodes are ones that you were on it. Oh wow! Yeah, That's I was just waiting amazing. to drop that until we were recording, so you knew that, so you hype you up a little bit. But, oh my yeah. god. Gosh, well, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that that's really uh, heartwarming to know. I love being on this podcast. So getting to sit here in this seat for a while is just the, the most exciting thing in the world because it means not only do I get to be on it more often and talk to you, but I also get to show you more garbage. Yes. Speaking of which, <laughs> that's a perfect transition. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to change format a little bit, obviously, because of, you know, everything that's going on. We have no idea if we can see anything ever at any point. Uh, so we're slightly shifting back into pro shot slash movies for the foreseeable future. And Angelina, since you're going to be our tastemaker, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you think we're going to be going without giving any specific giveaways? Sure. Well, um, there's and you know what? We're going to, I think, end up talking a little bit about it today because it's relevant um, to okay. to today's episode. But yeah. we're going definitely in a in a Sondheim direction because that's uh -huh. that's I think besides Sweeney Todd, we haven't really or you guys haven't really touched Sondheim. I think and that's the only one, yeah, as far yeah. as I remember. And rest may he rest in peace because he recently passed away. Like right. it is it is just like a very fun, gaping, 
I'm glad you can't see my hands right now because it's very <laughs> off-putting. Um, hole, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, I, I can't wait to bring a lot of Sondheim to the table. Um, there is also just like, I feel like I need to get you angry at shows too because as much yeah, as I, I was love gonna Sondheim. Say, yeah, I've been very positive lately and I don't really like it. I feel like I'm just, I'm losing my edge. Yeah. People keep making fun of me and saying I like musicals now and it deeply, deeply hurts. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But yes, yeah, make me angry again. I feel like I'm losing it. You guys have done a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber, but there's there's one show you haven't touched yet, and I'm not going to say it oh, out God. loud, but man, okay. I, I'm very excited to think about that one for a little bit and make you hate musical theater all over again. Wonderful. Yeah, there's 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 a lot, and there's also a lot of really fun um, movie musicals that we haven't quite touched yet, and I can't can't wait to bring those out, too. <laughs> I want to keep okay. it vague, just because the surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like the fun every week. Yeah. But speaking yeah. of being angry, this week we're covering <laughs> Tick, Tick, Boom, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, obviously is about Rent, or the writing of Rent, I believe, is, it, is what it's about. It is actually, it's it's more about the, it's, it's semi-autobiographical until it doesn't need to be, or until the author doesn't want it to be, a uh, show written by Jonathan Larson, who is the creator and writer and composer right. of Rent. So um, it's not necessarily so much about the writing. Okay, just about his life and his yes. deal. And it hits thematically on so many of the same things. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so when we did the Rent episode, God, it's been almost fucking two years now, which is crazy to think. Wow. Yeah, I think it was like May or June of 2020, I want to say. Wow. Um, it was just Lindsay and I. Obviously, I did not like it. We made mm-hmm. fun of it as mm-hmm. was such. But what is your uh, opinion on Rent? Are you a fan? Or are you not a fan? How do you feel I, about it? So I definitely... You know, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, and uh, my I, That's a good I was thing. I was definitely. <laughs> oh my god, God! Oh, I'm glad most people here do not know me. Here, being you, don't know who I was 10 years ago because I have the same way. It was, I was it's uh, a lot. Great 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who amongst us? You know, who amongst us was great 10 years ago? Um, but uh, I Rent was like one of the first musicals I had listened to ever, right after I started really getting into musical theater, and. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely had a brief phase in high school where I was super about it. And then by the time I graduated, mm-hmm. I'd already just, I discovered Sondheim. And like, so that just kind of like, you're like me. bye bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then the movie came out. Yeah. Bye bitch. Here's my new ride Sondheim. And by the time the movie came out, which was my freshman year of college, the movie, I was really getting into cinema and the movie is just bad. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't like the movie and I will objectively put that out there that the movie is garbage but um, I definitely had like a violent I hate rent phase and as I've gotten older (laughs) getting older has put a lot into perspective for me like Jonathan Larson was I think 35 when he passed away and Mm. I'm turning 35 this year and Mm. I the thing about rent is that it was an unfinished piece and it basically like it's first draft I'd feel awful if something that I had only drafted you know Yeah, that's kind of an unfair criticism. It's unfair to shit on something that wasn't ever meant to be yeah. exactly what it is. I understand. Yeah, you're yeah. sort of swinging for the what are they, yeah. swinging for the fences on your first attempt, which is what you should do. Yeah. The other thing I can say about Rent that is even if I don't care for it, and I don't, I still don't really care for it. There's a couple of songs mm-hmm. I like, but other than that, it's not the thing I reach for. Is that um, at least growing up in the middle of nowhere in the mm-hmm. l- early 2000s, late 90s, it was the first musical at least I remember hearing as a sheltered kid that had 
actual queer people in it as characters. Mm, right, right, right. And so that we talked about that in the episode too. That that yeah. was the first kind of yeah foray into it. And so I, I have a lot of friends who still love it deeply because it has that huge significance to them, and I, I understand it. So I don't like it. Um, I think maybe some people are a little too hard on it, but it is also there are just lines in it where I just hear it and I go, oh, okay, I, I don't like musicals anymore. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my feelings on it have softened, even if I don't particularly like it. You know, that's 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 where I'll put myself in, okay. in the that's rent camp. That's just growth. Yeah. That's growth, yeah. That just shows that you're okay with things that is not meant for you, but yeah. it's okay that it exists and you don't have to hate it. The very early, early versions of Rent are quite awful. And that it <laughs> that it got that far, you know, yeah. where it was. I'm just like, I feel sad that he never kind of got to see it through to the end, if you know what I mean. You know, so yeah. that's no, that's, I totally understand. Yeah, th- those are my feelings on it. Like, imagine yes. if, if you died in the middle of like your comic run and you oh God. you died and it was like, I'm sorry, I don't want you to have to think about your death while <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my first episode here. And we're already thinking about death. But like if. If something that you were in the middle of doing and, you know, it was just like not the best mo- thing you had put out and then you died. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think that's a totally fair assessment. And, and I yeah. think if I remember correctly, when I did watch Rent, I, I don't I'm not sure. Again, I should have gone back and listened to the episode, but I don't remember. But I think I was saying something like if I was 22 or 23 when I had mm-hmm. seen this, I probably would have related to it more because I just feel so much older now than the actual people would. But, you know, to have some sympathy for being 22 years old, 23 years old and being like, I'm a master of the universe. Yeah. My parents don't understand me. Like I know everything and nobody else does. And sort yeah. of having grown out of that, I think I could have, I could see how, you know, if I'd seen it earlier, I might've maybe related to it on some level a little bit. Yeah. Especially when you're like a 13, 14 year old, it is like this cosplay yeah. of like a cool artsy, you know, adult that has no, no real grounding in reality. But like when you're right, 13, right. 14, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to move to New York city and not pay the rent. That'll work not out. Not pay rent. Super well. <laughs> so obviously now we are going to talk about the movie Tick, Tick, Boom. So why don't I happen to the notes? Uh, tick, Tick, Boom. Boom with an exclamation point. Which, what the fuck? Why is it tick, tick, boom? Is there a bomb that goes off in it? It's just. Or should it's, I not ask this question yet? It's style, baby. <laughs> tick, tick, boom. Yeah. Is a 2021 <laughs> musical dramedy film directed by the world's most famous theater kid, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, oh God, we kept saying we were going to finish the Lin-Manuel Miranda coverage and it just keeps going. <laughs> we didn't, and unfortunately I've watched Encanto already, so we can't really do that because it breaks the format, but that would have been a fun one to discuss too. Yeah. Uh, okay, famous theater kid Lynn Manuel Miranda and written by Stephen Le- or Steve Levinson. It's based on the 2001 stage musical with words, music, and book by Jonathan Larson, who is best known as the composer and writer of the Pulitzer Prize winning musical that everyone on this pad- podcast adores, Rent. Uh, autobiographical in nature, the show takes place in New York City during the week of Jonathan Larson's 30th birthday in 1990. Oh my God. I remember turning 30. Do you? Yeah, yeah. That seems so long ago. I still had what hope. What a crisis. Still had joy in those days. <laughs> Man. I was so anxious about things that didn't end up mattering when it's no. I turned 30. Right. Uh, it explores Larson's angst about growing older, his lack of artistic success, and his struggles with work, art, and relationships as he tries to get his first musical workshop, Suburbia, off the ground. Spoiler alert, as I approach my 40th birthday, I have all those same fears and anxieties with the exception of getting my first musical off the ground. So for those oh. of you who are under 30, it doesn't really get any different once you hit 30. It's the same anxieties. I, th- I just want to pause <laughs> to say this feels like a slight against Twister, the musical. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, people, I, I had completely forgotten about it. And people on Twitter were just like, are you guys going to talk about Twister? Talk about Twister. I guess we might have to dust it off and bring it back. Yeah. 
Anyway, Tick Tick Boom's first iteration was a one-man show performed by Larson himself, first publicly workshopped in 1990 as Boho Days, and then revised and performed under its final title between 91 to 93. Upon Larson's death in 96, Larson's friend and producer Victoria Leacock, Leacock, Leacock? Leacock, I uh, believe. Brought, Leacock brought the show yeah. to Pulitzer-winning playwright David Auburn, who restructured and trimmed the monologue into a three-person musical with one actor as Jonathan and the remaining two primarily... Uh, playing girlfriend Susan and roommate Michael, along with multiple other ensemble parts. Uh, you said that you have seen uh, the stage version, but not like the proper super pro version of it, right? Yeah, I've only seen clips of the this this original off Broadway production that we're discussing here. Um, and I, but I have seen multiple. I think col- both were college productions of Tick Tick Boom, um, which makes sense because it's kids who are my age who love Jonathan Larson wanting to do his work, but the rights to rent not being available at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've seen multiple productions. I've seen uh, one of them. It was that thing where like, if you did theater as a kid and you had a show mm-hmm. that had a small cast, like they just found spaces for people to be in. And it's kind of awkward because you can sense the resentment from the people who only have like <laughs> two lines. I'm the being star. In it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like when you do like my dinner with Andre and make someone mm-hmm. view the table, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Just because you need to give them a part. I would kill for that role. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let me be the table. of that play. <laughs> um, what did you think of it uh, as far as uh, a piece itself? I actually like Tick, Tick, Boom a lot. Um, okay. Compared to how my feelings about Rent. Um, I had first heard Tick, Tick, Boom right around the time the cast recording for the off-Broadway production came out. And I was still in that Rent phase. So I was like, sure, I will listen to this. And mm-hmm. as I stopped listening to Rent, I found myself, I kept going back and back to Tick, Tick, Boom. There's a lot of, again, thematic similarities that go on this just by virtue of it. One being autobiographical and two being set in New York City in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like it deals with the subject matter in a way more self-aware and like self-effacing kind of way. So okay. I, I, a lot of the songs you'll hear it and you'll be like, oh, this sounds like Blank and Rent too. So in, in a lot of ways it does feel like proto-Rent, but I think the nature of autobiogra- autobiography kind of lets it be a little less precious, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I, I loved the cast recording and then um, one of the college uh, theater productions I saw uh, was the first like full live version I'd seen and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny and, you know, it's a small show, but... It mm-hmm. has a lot of heart. So, that is like the most condescending thing I can really say. <laughs> it's a small show, but it, oh, it Bless tried. its heart. It's it, trying. It gets a yellow ribbon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just like me reliving my swim team days. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's interesting that the one that's about himself, he was more self-aware of than the one that he was trying to write. That was like the bigger one that was about other people. But yeah, it's either here nor there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Tick, Tick, Boom made its off-Broadway debut on June 23rd, 2001 at the Jane Street Theater, where it ran until January 6, 2002. The production received seven Drama Desk Award nominations, including Outstanding Musical, and won the Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding Off-Broadway Musical. Uh, since its debut, Tick, Tick, Boom has received dozens of professional productions, both abroad and in the United States, with notable actors like Raul Esparza, Neil Patrick Harris, Lin-Manuel Miranda... Uh, in the film version, Andrew Garfield in the role of Jonathan. Side note, that's right. Garfield won the Golden Globe for Best Actor, Motion Picture, Musical Comedy just this week, which nobody knew that the Golden Globes happened until after the awards had been given out. Very bizarre. Um, do you think he'll get... Uh, I mean, it used to be an indicator that like, if you won a Golden Globe, that would be like a... You know, you're a lock to get at least nominated for an Oscar, but do you think it's? do you think it was just a fluke or do you think like he might actually get nominated? 
I don't know. Cause like for me, this is kind of off topic, but this was like a banner year for movies. Like I mm-hmm. loved so much of what I saw and he's, yeah. he's, he's great in this. Um, it's just, I think on a little bit more of a later movie than some of the other heavy hitters that came out. Do I think he deserves a nomination? Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's really great. I liked him in this a lot. Um, and he's a surprisingly good singer, especially he, he's a very funny, he relatable Jonathan Larson. When I say this, like I okay. knew him, but like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, like that part, like that character could easily be very obnoxious. Um, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, whenever you do like these artistic biography type things, it's very easy to get again, very precious about the material. Self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he manages to walk that line of being, you know, an imperfect human being who is a real human being, but also like likable, like just a fun performance on top of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy he won. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The movie version marks the directorial debut for Lin-Manuel Miranda. The film went into production in early 2020, and despite several stop gaps in filming because of COVID, it made its debut as a Netflix exclusive on November 12th, 2021. Now, uh, it's interesting that this was the movie that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda decided to make his directorial debut with. Yeah. Did he? Do you know if he ever put on like a production of this or anything? Yeah. So I had mentioned um, earlier that he has played Jonathan in a, it was a limited production, I believe, and uh, it was him as Jonathan Larson. Uh, and for a long time, I think people, one of his, one of Larson's friends whose name is escaping me had been wanting to make Tick, Tick, Boom into some sort of motion picture feature. And Jonathan Larson's estate had been very, um, gun shy about giving out the rights to do it because they wanted to make sure the memory of Jonathan Larson was captured in a way that was loving. Mm -hmm. And after Lynn had done this production, I think it was like in 2013, 2014, some sometime like that. It was Lynn Manuel Miranda and then Leslie Odom Jr. who played Burr in Hamilton as right, his right. roommate Michael. Uh, so that happened, and I believe if I am remembering this correctly, um, uh, Jonathan Larson's friend was like, "No, something." I can't. I'm trying to remember her name. I think oh, it's it's escaping me. But she was like, "Wait, this is the person who has to do it um, because they love one tick tick boom this much and." Too. He was like he's obsessed with Rent, right? Isn't yeah. he like that's like his favorite musical of all time, if I remember correctly, as, or something as, like that. He loves extent. Rent. He is a huge Jonathan Larson fan, and I, you know, as much as it's fun to dunk on Lynn, it's very easy to see why. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's almost like he's had like this mirror kind of trajectory as Jonathan, yeah. where he got successful really young, but is now alive to see like the fruits of those dreams for better or worse. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. And, and you've watched the movie and you thought it was a good time. I enjoyed it. And yeah. I have not seen it obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be going to watch it and we're going to discuss it. Yeah. Um, so if there's anything else you want to discuss, otherwise we should go ahead and head to our little ad read and, uh, come oh. back and discuss. I am good. Captain. All right. <laughs> captain, my captain, captain, my captain, standing on my desk as I say that. Yeah. Right. Just dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, don't make me cry. God damn. Uh, I love that movie. Oh man. Okay. Wait till that gets turned uh, to a musical. Anyway. Oh my God, no. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, read the ad, read the ad. All right, we'll be back. And we're back. Just a bunch of hopeful under 30s kids. <laughs> ready to talk about our dreams. Ready to take on life. Yes. 
Yes. Um, that was a fun little trip watching that. That was a good time. Oh yeah, really? It was. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. It, was, it, it brought me back to some places that I uh, forgot that I had been. I guess yeah. we sort of hinted at it a little bit in the beginning, in the first half. But yeah, I was like, oh, I forgot about being that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Like I think. So I I don't want to you know generalize too much, but I think a lot of malaise that. Pe- that older millennials have about Jonathan Larson is a lot of like, you need to look a little bit inward about yourself. Yeah. You're just annoying with yourself. Yeah. Uh Uh Yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, Uh, we'll talk, we'll get into it. We'll get into into that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's, I guess, summarize the movie. Yes. Uh, it was, it's about, it's not about a bomb, which I thought it was going to be based on that. No, there are no bombs in, in, (laughs) there are, there are truth bombs and emotional bombs, but no, (laughs) no actual explosive devices. Thankfully. Yes. Um, Thankfully. So it starts off with him. Oh, so that was, okay. So before we get into it, so the, him on the stage, that's the actual, uh, musical itself, right? That was the stage version is him just doing a sort of talky, yes, scatty kind of, th- not scat, spoken word kind of thing. I don't know why I said scat. Just w- uh, one man show. Thing. Yeah. Like one a, man oh, show, right. Yeah. That's what it's, uh, yes, supposed to be. And like, it's, uh, so that's the beginning of, okay, wait, yeah, I'm like, there's so much I want to talk about, but, um, yeah. uh, so yes, it's supposed to be him doing like his one man show as we had talked about the show originally being, right. um, but the interesting thing that this movie does, and I, I really do credit this to Lin-Manuel Miranda really well, is it's really good at mm-hmm. not taking the text of the show hyper literally and saying mm-hmm. everything must either be, you know, part of the one man show or complete fantasy. I think he does a really good job of going back and forth in between. Um, yeah. Yeah. That and making it cohesive. But yeah, so it, it, it starts, yeah, with him doing his one man show or three person show. Kind of, like they take a little right, like right. artistic liberty with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the week before his 30th birthday and right. he has that musical superbia that he's so excited to workshop, even though like he's gotten mm-hmm. nothing but like pushback that has not been, I guess, to the service of his ego at that point. Um, <laughs> Everyone, everyone's been supportive of him being like, good job. It's really cool that you're doing this. Yeah. But uh, he's he's got a great girlfriend. Yeah. He's got a roommate who's really nice and yeah. who's moving up. So he's sort of despite the fact that he has a uh, Broadway music or not Broadway musical, but yeah. a musical that's being workshopped. He's really depressed about it. Yeah. Uh, and anxious. Not, I guess not depressed, but he's super anxious because he wants it to be really good. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the first half of the movie is just all these things that are being set up for the second half of the movie, which is like his relationship with his girlfriend, his relationship with his friend, his relationship to him turning 30, all these things. But it's very like slice of lifey, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's very like the stakes are relatively small, you know, for for, for this. Yeah, exactly. But it feels big. That's sort of I guess that's sort of the theme of the movie is that like these things feel huge. Anyway, I guess I'm getting into the analysis of it. But anyway, (laughs) uh, keep keep going. So he's got uh, his his rehearsal coming up. He's got his workshop coming out of Playwrights Horizon, which is a real place. And that is like a it's especially now a big deal to get workshop there to even have that. But so he has that coming up. Um, He has his girlfriend, Susan, who has just been given a job offer for like a really cush job in the Berkshires. And there's Mm -hmm. that conflict of like, well, we can talk about moving there after the workshop happens and we see what falls out from there. There's his roommate, Michael, who is leaving their crummy apartment to go live in in a nice apartment. And he's doing really well in his career. And he also used to want to work in theater, but is now like transitioned into this different like 
uh, projection Goes for like his corporate, life. Sort of. Yeah. 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 And yes, Superbia is coming up. It's gotten nothing but like, just kind of like, I don't understand it. I don't think this works. There, from from a character played by um, uh, Richard Kind, very briefly. Oh, right, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> just sitting there going, I hate it. It sucks. It sucks. And then you have Bradley Whitford as Stephen Sondheim, like just doing mm-hmm. a very good, like, I'm making a Sondheim face. It's not translating to my voice. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so like that's that's kind of where he is. Is his friends encouraging him and saying, you know, good things will come. But like he wants them now because he feels like this increasingly the tick, tick booms are literally like the tick, tick boom. Yeah. Him counting down how how (laughs) how he's turning 30 and he feels like he's done nothing with his life, essentially. Yeah, so I think it starts on like a Monday. The thing is on a Friday. Yeah. His birthday's on the Sunday. And Mm -hmm. then. His girlfriend needs an aunt. Susan, I guess is her name. She needs an answer by Wednesday in terms yeah. of if he's going to move in with her. Yeah. Uh, he needs to write. So he's trying to get more money to have a bigger. He needs like a whole backing band for this thing. Yeah. Uh, and then he also needs to write. The, so then the the main crux of it is he's to write like a song. Yes. For the end of the second act. Is that what he said? Because like yeah. that's when they, they cut to Sondheim being like, you're missing a song. And yeah. it needs to be this thing. So the whole thing sort of hinges on this song that he can't figure out how to write. Yeah. Um, and he's so it's just about all him stressing out until, of course, inevitably he ends up writing the song. Like after he finds out his roommate actually it has AIDS and after yeah. his girlfriend leaves him and he kind of hits like this kind of emotional rock bottom mm-hmm. uh, and then it writes the inspired. song, gets inspired. Yeah, writes the song and then sees like, oh, the song that I was writing is really what Susan was trying to tell me this whole time. Right, right. And, uh, you know, his, his friend Michael, who has uh, AIDS, is like, look, I don't have much time, so I actually don't really have, you know, I have empathy, but not a ton of sympathy about you sure. saying, like, I want to be successful immediately, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he puts on the show, it goes off really well, everybody mm-hmm. loves it, but then, oh, also the other tick, tick is whether or not his agent that never calls him back yes. is actually going to, like, call everybody to show up to it. Yes, yeah. Uh, so then he has a conversation with her and he's like, how'd it go? And she's like, oh, my God, all the producers loved it. But no one wants to give you money for anything. They just want to see what you write next. And he yeah. sort of has another meltdown. And that's yeah. like his realization. And then it ends with his 30th birthday and, you know, him sort of making amends and it goes off. So then the other framing device, the second there's like these bookmarks of like just a quick two minute thing of like. Yeah. Uh, it, like this. I don't know. It's not documentary, but it sort of gives you the context of who Jonathan Larson was in real life. And yeah. then what re- went on to become. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, um, and basically. That's basically it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a small little movie. It's not it's not huge in its scope of things that are covered. Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about it. Okay, uh, which I'm sure you are, are, are uh, <laughs> you'll have answers for. <laughs> I, uh, not the least of which is is sort of Sondheim hanging over it. Yes, uh, which you might be a person who would seem <laughs> to have some answers for that. Yes. <laughs> um, but okay, so just refresh my memory again. What did you 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 enjoyed it? Yes. Generally speaking, uh, generally speaking, I, I I enjoyed the show and both the movie of it. What I really enjoyed about the movie that um, I don't really think you see with a lot of, especially because you've watched a lot of movie musicals as of late. Even even the better examples tend to be just kind of cut and dried in terms of like how they're shot. Like it's basically yeah. just a literal version of the show with yeah. a higher budget and not really that much. I, I don't mean to downplay because a lot of people clearly work on these with, with love, but like there's sure. not a yeah. huge amount of artistic intent in terms of like gelling it into film, you know? Yeah. They just want to keep it as close to the stage version as they can. 
uh, without thinking too that, much about the medium. That's something we talk about a lot. Yeah, we always yeah. talk about like why, how does this translate into this medium and how do you use this medium to the advantage to tell this specific yes, story? Yeah, yeah. And what I really liked about Tick, Tick, Boom and what, especially for a first time directorial debut, Lin-Manuel Miranda actually looking at the text because uh, as, as we talked about in the first half, it's only three actors in the show. So you constantly have whoever's playing Susan and Michael playing like uh, the girl in the show, Caressa, that like sings the song is played by the same actress but in this they like split it out make it two different characters not yeah. not just that but like divining which songs work best as um i guess Jonathan Larson's show like the the therapy song where it's him and Chris yeah, yeah, yeah. singing meanwhile it's cutting back and forth to real life where they're actually having this very serious yeah. argument um and then also finding like the fun moments where you can have like i guess a a non-diegetic musical number like like the Sunday song, which I'm very anxious to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like, it turned into fucking like a Marvel cinematic universe. Scene yeah. There. I was like, Andrew Garfield was in two fucking multiverse movies like, in the month of December. Right. <laughs> he was in the Spider-Man metaverse. And then he was in the Bernadette Peters metaverse. Yeah, Spider-verse. Like, yeah. Fucking all these different people from these different musicals. Oh my God. I, I agree with you. I think overall uh, I was impressed with, Considering how much I know Lin-Manuel Miranda tends to be like, you know, super ambitious and sort of try to go big. Mm -hmm. It did feel much more intimate, which I think worked to its advantage. Yeah. I And I was reading it. So they did. They started filming like right before everything got shut down for COVID. Yeah. It was like the first week of March or something. And they filmed for like barely a week and then they shut down and they had to come back. So it's sort of I think they had had. He had had sort of bigger plans for stuff mm. that he was going to like bigger pieces that he was going to film. But that mm -hmm. all ended up getting scaled back and sort of fold, folding into itself to make it smaller, which I think was actually to the advantage of how the film turned out. Because yeah. I think a lot of times what you end up having is people try and do these big musical numbers. And yeah. especially when it's your first film. If yeah. You, if you've never really done it. Yeah. You know, obviously he's a great Broadway for, tour de force, but you know, <laughs> wow. transitioning into film doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have like a grasp on the medium. But I thought he had a lot of visual literacy that was, you know, he had a good visual language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of movement and it really kind of, he didn't go, he swung big in terms of what he was trying to say, yeah. whether or not I liked it. That's besides the point, but I sort sure. of just from a technical standpoint, I was like, okay, he's, he hired very competent people. The editing was very good. Yes. I, yeah. I, I, sort of, sort of what you were talking about earlier. I, strangely enough, you know what it reminded me of was uh, was the social network. Oh, my God. Um, oh, I, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Another Andrew Garfield, a Garfield joint, but just yeah. the ability to sort of jump through different spaces very quickly. And yeah. He's talking to the camera and then he's talking to the audience. And then there's also in the, like the uh, what is it? The scene where he goes to do the focus group. Oh, the focus group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very hard to do, you know, in terms of how you shoot something and edit together. And I thought it was pretty it was pretty tight. Yeah. I, and I think he does it in a way where it's like, I, I'm not a huge fan of like the first thing I thought of was like the big short, but like where, and I, and I liked the big short as a movie, but like yeah. the, the constantly breaking the fourth wall, I think at this right. point has been just a little played out. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm very much tired of, of it in, in a lot of things, but um, yeah, this, this wasn't like, it, it could have again been very much like, I am so smart and I'm glad you guys are listening to me. Like, yeah, I'm just going to opine. There's a little bit of that, but there's a little bit. <laughs> and, 
to the point of where it works for like the character of who Jonathan is. Right, right. It, yeah, who, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's a young man who thinks like his talents are being wasted. So of course he's going to I'm sit. The future in his, of musicals yeah. is that what he says? Yeah. Or exactly. Broadway or something. Yeah. Like there's that scene where um he goes to talk to his friend Michael about like how the workshop went well, but you know nobody wanted to produce it, and he's just like, oh well, everyone did this, this, and that, and I don't understand why I don't have this. I want my time. When's my time coming? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're just like, I am. So ready for someone to shut this person down (laughs) really, really hard. It's a relatable feeling. Like I remember, you know, being 28, 29 and just being like, how come I haven't had like my thing yet? You know? Yeah. yeah. And now I'm here. I'm I'm 38. (laughs) I still feel that way. What? I'm 34 (laughs) and, and, and co-hosting musical splaining with you. I've, I've made it essentially. You peaked at this point. Yeah. There's nowhere I can go but down (laughs) and I'm taking everyone with me. But, um, uh, yeah. No, like I think they, they balanced that that character pretty well like it could have been a very watching it again because i watched it again for a second time last night um i I was just like yes this could have been so um awful like in so many ways it's just like this this could have not worked very hard and i think for the most part lin-manuel miranda pulled it off and yeah uh what i was very curious to hear about was there is a lot of one to to go back to a question or rather a statement that you'd made about Mm -hmm. sondheim and the shadow of sondheim over this yeah um what the the movie does very well is expand upon the script and cut things from the show that didn't really need to be there like there's Mm -hmm. a couple songs that were cut like there's a song he has with Caressa, the girl in a show where they bond over liking candy. And is it's, that Vanessa Vanessa Hudgens? Vanessa, Vanessa Hudgens, yeah. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> we got a Disney star in this one too. Um <laughs> but like they cut that. Well, it's like he there's a couple of lines in it in the cafe scene where he's singing about sugar to his friend at Playwright Horizons. Um mm-hmm. but like they like uh, there's a very good hand in like cutting things out that didn't need to be in it too also okay um but uh the sondheim thing so that whole sunday song yeah i i i was just like when i was watching this thinking like i would love to be in kavi's head right now like what did you think i had no idea what was happening yeah (laughs) Yeah. i I just thought it was like a a scene that cool because he also sings a lot of like nonsense songs sure because you know he says like not nonsense bad but nonsense and he's like i can write a song about anything like i'll write so i just thought this was some insane extrapolation of him being like sunday brunch and blah 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 and then it turns into this weird song and then lin-manuel miranda's like cool we'll just bring like here's andre de shields and here's like philippa soup which by the way I was like, oh God, I know like half the people that are in this audience that are like in this. And I knew them by name. I was like, oh no, it's affecting me. You are a theater Uh, kid. Well, why I ask this and why I was bringing up how they cut things from the script was the added context that they do put in is great. So that song is a parody of arguably like one of Stephen Sondheim's most famous songs, which is also Mm -hmm. called Sunday. And they do set it up very nicely and subtly in the film where it's him and his girlfriend and Michael watching Sunday in the park with George a scene that does not happen in the show but like Sunday I can't wait to force Sunday on you and if you don't like it (laughs) I'm gonna quit the podcast so I was like it ends with like a George Seurat painting in life or something like what the fuck was that I can't wait to do Sunday with you because actually there's there's a lot of thematic similarities and the fact that Sunday the the tick tick boom song has always existed in the show um okay it ties in really nicely with what's going on thematically in Sunday in the Park with George, which is also about like the mm. creation of art. But I don't want to talk about that too much because we're okay, eventually we'll going to get into that, that. One eventually. Yeah. But uh, so that is a parody of a very, a very, very lo- well loved Sondheim song okay. called Sunday, right. um, and it's again just also nothing but like theater cameos. And I have to imagine that like this is what you show like if aliens saw this, they'd see. <laughs> 
people, humans, and go, wow. Which aliens? Are we talking the xenomorphs from Alien? Are we talking Mars Attacks aliens? we got to be specific. Uh, Which ones? They, whichever aliens you pick, be them ETs, be them, you yeah. know. Um, Musical fans. Uh, they would just look at that and go like, well, this is a lost cause of a planet. So, <laughs> like, I, that's what I would imagine that watching that scene feels like because it is just nothing but, like, a massive musical theater in joke. And Lin-Manuel Miranda used his clout to just, like, take it to level 8,000. I mean, honestly, to me, it, like I said, it just, it read to me as like, well, this is just Marvel for theater kids. Like, that's all this is. I was like, <laughs> this is the, their Avengers scene where somebody shows up and I didn't have a problem with it, really. I was sure. like, why not? Like, you know, oh. Lindsay and I joked about the Lin-Manuel Miranda universe. We were talking about how he's like the ice cream guy. I can't remember. He's the ice. No, he's not the ice cream. He's the other one. He's like the snow cone guy. Oh, in, uh, oh, in the, oh, Heights. Uh, the Paragua guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah, yeah. In the Heights. And then they have like a little scene later. I was like, I think that's just really what he's doing, probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's fine. I, th- I think that kind of fan service is really like, that's OK. Like, it's a wink. It sure. didn't really it made sense in the context of the of the scene where it's like there's just a bunch of people who are in the diner, like singing, even yeah. if I didn't know who any of them were. The only thing that was yeah. strange was that like they were all getting super close ups, which I would have been like, <laughs> OK, if, even if I didn't know who these people were, I'd assume that I'm supposed to know. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I remember watching it. So you can imagine me watching this for the first time being like, You're like oh, ah! shit. Like Nick is upstairs <laughs> in our office while I'm watching this and I'm screaming like, oh, fucking hey, it's oh my God. the Cheetah Rivera and Bright Stokes Mitchell. And and I don't expect you to have recognized this one, but Howard McGillan, who was the longest running phantom on Broadway. Was- yeah, oh, right, right. S- Sarah looked it up. She went and like, she was like, you should probably know who this person is. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much. Shout out to Sarah for knowing. Yeah, Sarah, <laughs> you know, you got to educate your man on Phantom. And I applaud <laughs> you so much for doing that. But yeah, like I, I was like losing my mind and totally like, yeah, this is such fan service and I don't care. And I, I remember going to Twitter after uh, this had just come out. And mm-hmm. the people that just like, you know, want to hate Lynn were like, oh, my gosh, how dare he put people in that he knows yeah. in this. And I was just like, I don't. Why do you hate fun? Like, it's fine. Yeah. Again, it's, to me, it's a, it's just a Marvel movie. Like, yeah. that's OK. Like, that's whatever. <laughs> people, everyone should be allowed to be excited about shit as long as it doesn't like detract from, you know, if it doesn't fucking right off the rails and go into something else where you're just doing that. But it's yeah. fine. I thought it was it was yeah. baked into whatever the story was doing anyway. So yeah. it's fine. I, I like to see that scene, especially um, the film version of it is like everyone's had like when I worked at a shitty thrift store, I just sit mm-hmm. in my head and like hate people that came up to me, <laughs> but also like r- write crappy things in my head about them too. just anything sure. to like yeah, yeah. pull myself out of how mind numbingly dull it is. Um, especially because I'm a creative genius like Jonathan Larson. And oh, yeah, just clearly. Can't. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where do you think I get the energy to tweet about like Phantom and <laughs> Santa Cruz's ass cheeks all the time? <laughs> it's it's a hard it's hard being creative is what this movie says. And I agree as, as a genius, too. I have to agree. So a lot of the Sondheim stuff was like he was um, Jonathan Larson's. Was he like his mentor or, yeah, or somebody yes. that sort of helped him through it? Okay. Yeah, yes, yes. This is all. But uh, th- this is all fairly true to life right there. And actually, it's very funny to me. Um, so you have Bradley Whitford playing Sondheim in this. But the voicemail mm-hmm. at the end actually is Stephen Sondheim's voice. It's very funny to me because I was watching this last night and I was like, gosh, Bradley Whitford's doing a really good Sondheim. And then it got to the voicemail. And I was like, he really does sound like Stephen Sondheim. That's amazing. <laughs> Incredible acting. Dang. Like, you know, you start from the West Wing and you can only go up. But uh, like, <laughs> I, 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 it, 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 it just it, it's very 
I don't I don't know how to say this like nicely, and this is slightly tangential, or not nicely, but a way that doesn't sound like uncouth. Uh, okay. But if 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 Stephen Sondheim had to pass when he passed, mm-hmm. what a time yeah. to have passed because this just this came out like right after he had died, along yeah. with West Side Story, which is his his first major work, um, mm-hmm. and both of them like pay tribute to him in a very like very different ways but i'm like damn like what a what a legacy to have to go out but uh also when you put that with the context of like well also jonathan larson dies like five years later after all of this like there is he like doesn't this, know that he's gonna no. die at this point right he just randomly dies he he, he died yes yeah, some he, undiagnosed something or other yeah he had an aortic aneurysm um mm-hmm. uh the, the whole there this has long been speculated i remember sitting on like my mom's toilet reading people magazine right around the time rent came out not knowing the show at all but like <laughs> them having written the news the news <clears> that he had died uh that they thought he might have had undiagnosed marfan syndrome and that had he had had um a proper diagnosis of that or what was going on. He would have been able to survive. Yeah. And it was the, so so some of this, so then my question then is like, so he doesn't necessarily know that he's going to die at this point. He's just sort of having a panic attack about turning 30. Yeah. And can't see past that age. Yeah, exactly. Which with the, the, the meta context of him actually dying in five years. Right. Right. It's like, you know, my, I grew up, my dad passed away when he was 49. I'm sorry. I'm bringing you back to my Mm -hmm. dead dad. It's not an episode of me explaining. So this is all we're going to talk about. But my dad, we're going to talk about our feelings. It's all good. My dad, when he was like, I remember my dad being in his 40s being like, I think I'm going to die young. And I'm just like, really? Everyone being like, yeah, like, cool. That's a really nice thing to say. And then it happens. And then you're just like, motherfucker, you know, like everyone's giving him. Yeah. Everyone's like giving Jonathan shit, you know, for, you know, wanting so much at a young age. And, you know, the hindsight of reality that he actually does die at 35 is very like, yeah, it's poignant. Like, I'm not one of those like rent people, but like, I was just like, damn. You, you really aren't guaranteed shit, especially because he died on the morning of his uh, of the off Broadway debut event right. like yeah. that, which is just like insane to me. Insane. There's so much about glorifying the young artist in this, you know, and then like yeah, the yeah. actual reality is it sucks and it's sad and it's not fun. You know, this guy died before he could actually see himself succeed. And he's, you know, within the text of the film, just constantly dreaming about me being the artist, you know, and it's 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 a lot, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's heavy. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, too, I was like, it definitely takes me back to being that age. And and especially the part where he's like, Stephen Sondheim was 27 when he did this. And somebody else was... Was it Andrew Lloyd Webber? Is that who he says? He mentions two people. I can't remember who the other person was. He does Stephen Sondheim and then... Oh, God, I can't remember. It's somebody else. But basically, he's like, by 27, they were like... I was like, oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, the Beatles. He was like... Oh, right, Paul McCartney. That's what he says. Yeah. 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 Paul McCartney, by the time he was like 26, had done this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But I totally did that when I was in my 20s. I put an unbelievable amount of pressure on myself. Yes. Uh, That and then uh, like that, that really hits home. Because like I I remember being like whenever I'd see like people's like hottest 30 under 30. And I'm like, I. Oh, God. I still get panic panic attacks and I see people 40 under 40. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I know. It's just like my life is increments of 10 years of People magazine. um, Yeah. (laughs) Just like. Huh. I only run on those and then like the world's sexiest man and that's or, or man so of the there's year still time he, for me I can probably he, still do it I don't you know, know. We'll what see. we're just gonna get so much clout behind this podcast <laughs> that it's gonna come down between you and like Brad Pitt for the 8,000th time and then uh, your moment he, to shine will come <laughs> 
So there was one or two more things I would talk, we should talk about that I liked. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, yes. You know, that I, th- that I thought was good before we get into some stuff that we, I'm sure we didn't like. Yeah, sure. Uh, it is criticism after all. I did enjoy the swimming scene a lot. Um, yeah. Speaking of use of the medium, I thought that was pretty interesting and, yeah. and had a good rhythm to the edit. Yeah. Uh, as far as like what's what I'm dealing with on sort of a daily basis, right, which is inspiration, right? That's like sure. a thing that we always have to think about. But mm-hmm. it was something I had a realization while I was watching it. Where I was like, yeah, it, it's kind of and I feel like I've been reading this like a lot, like just different people in the world, people like feeling like they're stuck and they're sort of, you know, uh, backs against the wall. Nothing's happening. We're all sort of fucking trapped inside yeah. and no one's feeling inspired to like make anything. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to watch him over the course of that week. Right. Where he's just like, he's trying to just bang out the song. He's trying to bang out the song. He's trying to do it. He's trying to do it, trying to do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. And then he ends up sort of living his life. Yeah. You know, these relationships with his, with his girlfriend and with his roommate and with mm-hmm. all these other people, like in an extremely condensed period of time, like a lot, yeah. lot, a lot happens. And yeah. that ultimately ends up inspiring him to make something and write something. And I thought like, oh yeah, that's, I feel like that's sort of what a lot of people are dealing with right now where yeah. we have not been able to live our lives in the sort of conventional sense. Yeah. We're just sort of like trapped in these silos and we're not yes. able to experience things. So it's hard to come up with shit because yeah. shit's not happening other than the same shit that's been happening for two years. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't think this is intentional, but the fact that like, well, they had to scale back production because of COVID and a lot of it is yeah. in like Jonathan's apartment or in like tiny closed rooms. I was like, this is, this is kind of a vibe actually that I'm feeling right yeah. now. Like I don't yeah. leave my house. I constantly dress like shit. Like he does. <laughs> like I look like my hair, my hair actually, I can get it to do the Jonathan Larson. Now it's at that weird the length. Poofy, so, yeah. The poofy. And I'm like, I just, this is a little too embarrassing right now. How much I feel like I am being reflected in this, in this movie at the moment. But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I had a point to that. Oh, it was the swimming scene. That is actually a song that was not, in Tick, Tick, Boom, that song that's going on. It oh, is from okay. Jonathan Larson's... I don't think it was in the original. It is a Jonathan Larson song that they had gotten from the Library of Congress, who has, like, just massive collection of all of his work, um, that yeah. they put back into it. And I really liked it, because I think it did kind of, like... Y- he has to find inspiration at some point, and how do you do that, like, well yeah, in a short... you have to <laughs> do it when you're not doing anything, right? Yeah, that's exactly. the point. Exactly. Like, when you're sitting and trying to think about it, I yeah. think they talked about it in Mad Men. He's like, think about it intensely and then don't think about it at all. Like, yes. That's sort of how you. And I was like, yeah, it's true. That's it's really how it is. You have to just so turn your true. fucking brain off. I have been sitting in my apartment trying to finish this Phantom of the Opera fan fiction and I just can't do it. And then, you know, I go outside and see a dog vomit on the sidewalk and I'm like, wait a minute now. <laughs> I have you're it. You're like, dog vomit reminds me of that. <laughs> I always think of dog vomit when I think about my favorite musical of all time, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. There's a direct correlation. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, sorry. No. Um, oh, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, oh. I was also going to say, I thought that the duet, uh, so of that song, the one that uh, Vanessa Hudgens sings with, I guess, fake Susan and real Susan. Sure. Where, yes. where she's like singing it for the first time in front of the crowd. And then it yeah. cuts to him being like, all I see is real Susan. And the way that sort of ends up blending together to become yeah. a duet was a very good sense, a really good use of medium. Yeah. yeah uh, and it's a lovely song, too. I love that song. That's like, I think a lot of people's favorite song in that show. But um, in in the show itself, it is a diagect number where it is Caressa performing the song. It's not Susan just by herself. at all. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Just by herself in, you know, the workshop is when it's happening. Yeah. And I, I do like, yes, again, not taking it hyper literally and 
finding mm-hmm. like the two Susans in that moment was was really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was a good use of it. So I'm curious to see uh, how much bigger he'll go for his next movie. But yeah. you know, it seems like a movie that he just I feel like this is probably what he wanted to do like forever anyway, yes. regardless of what's going on. Yeah. This might but, be you know. he might be like pull Charles Loughton and just make one, you know, movie and then never do it again. Fuck and, it. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> but this movie's all about time. It's all yes. about time. That's why tick tick boom makes sense. Yeah. It kind of almost felt like a Christopher Nolan movie. Because <laughs> 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 Christopher Nolan's obsessed with time and everything yeah. ticking and like the countdowns and how much time you got left. I loved when this movie ended with Johnson sitting at his piano and then he spins a top and you're like, Oh shit, is it gonna oh, yeah. fall? Yeah, you don't know if he's like in the dream state or not. Yeah, yeah. How, how deep of an inception he is in right now. Because that's all the 90s were, just one massive inception. Yeah. I'm deep. Um, I'm an artist. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's that dog vomit, you know, that's where it comes from. That's what you're right. inspired by. <laughs> I'm just hitting that bomb. Toots puts uh, me on another gonna, level. I was going to say, in terms of, you know, I so I say all these nice things about it, but yeah. you know, I didn't. It's not really like the thing I would love and yeah. that I would want to watch, sure. or like the songs or any of that. But game recognizes game, man. You gotta yeah. just really give it credit for like the craft of what it is. Yeah. Um, I as far as criticisms of it, I think I get the point that he's supposed to be a character that's very self-involved. Mm-hmm. And he sort of his ability to see past himself eventually mm-hmm. is what ends up making him successful in the long run. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is what he ends up doing is seeing past his own pain to see the pain of his girlfriend and see the pain of his best friend. And yeah. That's sort of what inspires him to write rent. But I did feel like like that number where he goes after he finds out that um, Michael's HIV positive mm-hmm. and he like runs into the rain and then he goes into like this piano that's like in the middle of some weird amphitheater in like Central Park or something. Yeah. I hated that. <laughs> I, I hated that number. I, I like that song, but I'm not yeah. a fan of how it's used in the movie. That 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 to me kind of is one of the weaker parts of the film. And it sucks because I love that song. But like, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that part either. And they also cut like the bridge of that song, too. So it's like really re- repetitive. Like there's mm. this really great like and I'd been thinking about it for a lot, why they cut it. And um, cause a lot of it of the bridges him, like, should I play the game again? Should I play the game again and just go back into it? And it's kind of redundant at this point, but like, mm-hmm. it also kind of like kills the drive in that song. And it's, yeah, it's not my favorite part. And then it just ends, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I thought it would have been a good spot for maybe like Michael to have had like his own number. Cause really he's just, as far as like a story, like function, He's just there to be supportive of him and then have AIDS. Like that's literally all he does in the movie. They're just like, cool. And then like, that's it. Yeah. And like, it would have been nice to have given him a song, I think like yeah. a proper song. And that could have been a moment where he's like, cause also it would, it would have worked for the context of the story where he's like, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about myself. And then I find out about my friend and yeah. then he can listen to his friend be like, here's why this fucking sucks for all these different reasons. Or yeah. here's why I'm grateful or whatever, whatever it is that Michael would have wanted in that moment. Like once he sort of reveals that to him, I thought that was like a, yeah, it, it, just in the, in the theme of what they were writing or what he was gearing towards. But you know, I guess that's he, also a criticism of what the movie was, of what rent was. And all yeah, that, right? I, was, I was like, this is literally like the same problem. My, my problems with tick, tick, boom are pretty much the same problems that I, I have with rent, at least from a storytelling point where like, yeah, all the gay characters are pretty much props. Like, you know, for 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 you know whether it's Mark or Roger to find like you know self actualization or, or Jonathan, it is it is just kind of that. And I feel it's a little bit more for me excusable with 
tick tick boom where it's a bit more autobiographical in nature and like more inward looking but it's still mm-hmm. especially you know 20 years after the fact of rent like sure like kind of like like come on man you know like yeah yeah no right <laughs> this isn't like a huge like we need to go back and cancel this oh yeah yeah exactly right? like not, like I, I just mean more in terms of not even in terms of like, oh, I don't like him because he does this, but just in terms of what he's he's setting himself yeah. up for. Yeah. And, and then it sort of goes back into sort of being very inward and be like, let me tell you the story about what this person means to me. Yeah. Rather than like allowing that person to exist. And it was similar to the the number he has with um, with Susan, right, where he's like. It's kind of a jokey song. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm upset that, that you're, you're upset. Ups- yeah. upset. And I'm like, you're kind of making fun of the fact that she's, you know, yeah. is a very like she's being very like helpful and like a good person. And yeah. you're kind of just shitting on it. Right. Right. Like everything that you put out about her. And I get like with, with Come to Your Senses, the song at the end is him actually like mm-hmm. seeing her as a human being. And yeah. whereas therapy is just like isn't my girlfriend just driving me crazy? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you quit women, nagging and man. just let me hang out with the boys. Yeah. Let, let me hang out with my boys watching Sondheim, which on ironically <laughs> is kind of like a vibe, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he does treat Susan pretty shittily. Like it is just kind of like, yeah, uh, they're not as throwaway as I feel like the rent characters are, but because they're composites, they kind of lose like, I don't know, any sense of, being actual people in it. And again, like I, I, I on the whole really like this movie. It's not like a, I'm just going to cancel tick, tick, boom. But like, yeah, but I, I think the same beef that you have, I have yeah, with yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're in agreement. Mm. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> where do we go from uh-huh. here now? But, um, uh, I was wondering if there's anything like you just like legit hated. Um, I, I really didn't like those two songs. Like I, they really like annoyed the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, I don't I think it's a because of the sort of context of where they are and what they're doing the story, but also just like I really didn't like the song. Sure. You know, some some of the songs felt again, it's weird because you're it's it's not really a criticism because it's like I'm I'm listening to something that was written 30 years ago. So to be like, oh, this is so 90s or it's like (laughs) it's not really a thing to shit on it for because that's what it is. Yeah. Um, So I don't even know if that's really like a valid I don't even know if it's worth it for me to like explain why I didn't like those parts of like a lot of the music. Sure. You're also just allowed not to like Jonathan Larson's music. You know, I'm not going to hurt you for that. But it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You know what I mean? It's like whatever. Like sure. I don't uh, COVID's changed me quite a bit in terms of just being like it's let people enjoy things. I don't yeah. give a shit anymore. Like yeah. I don't care. Marvel's fine. Musicals are fine. Everyone's fine. What it, the fuck else is, do you is need? Is Phantom to... fine? <laughs> no, Phantom's where I draw the fucking line. <laughs> The only thing. Gotta and still a, have some edge. COVID's only like impacted that even more too. Like every day you just wake <laughs> up thinking, I fucking hate that man. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, so the only much. note that I made here, which I thought was funny, was this is the Cimmerillion to Peanuts Lord or to Rent's <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love I that part. That, I love that part in the Silmarillion <laughs> where, you know, they all just break out into song about Sunday brunch. Like Luthien turns to um, a barrel and it's just like, hey, <laughs> come to your senses, man. Also, yeah. I'm an elf lady. It's yeah. been so long since oh. I've read the Silmarillion. I'm so sorry if that if someone out there is listening, going, that's actually a bad analogy. I'm sure we'll hear about it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Is, is there something that you hated or really didn't like about it? Really didn't like about it. I just don't. I mean, I I, I feel scared saying this, and I feel like Uh-oh. this is spicy. 
It's not. Oh. But I'm just worried about the teenagers on Twitter. I'm not a Vanessa Hudgens fan. And just like oh. seeing her in anything like pulls me out of it deeply. And mm. she I don't know. It's like when you hear her singing with all the other like theater people in there, there's just mm-hmm. like a. It, it was just was like, I, I don't know. You wanted to probably put somebody in that that like. You could draw feature. Yeah. Into it. Yeah. 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 And also because sure. like that feels like a part you would have like a featured, you know, performance by someone who might be kind of like bigger than musical theater. Uh, yeah. But like it just she pulls me out of it so much. Like it just I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm, I also just don't okay. enjoy her singing voice. So like, please. I know there are a lot of younger kids who grew up on was she Camp Rock or was that I don't remember what she I was have no on. idea. But High school musical. People, I don't fucking people know. love Vanessa Hutchins, and by people, I mean people I would never talk to. But um, <laughs> but damn I just, girl, I, I'm sorry. That's like my one spicy opinion. I don't like Vanessa Hutchins. How about that? Now, I'm sure she's she's a perfectly fine human being, but like I, I'm not a fan of her performance in this. It just I don't know. Just something about it pulls me out of it, and it's a lot of my. I'm examining my internalized misogyny here and saying, okay, like, all right, know, fair enough. When I say fuck Vanessa Hudgens, um, no, no, I'm sorry, Vanessa Hudgens. I'm sure you're nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that. And then I think it's just a lot of how the Michael character is handled because I love the actor who plays him, Robin DeJesus. He is looks a, so familiar. I cannot figure out where I saw him. He, he's in like a lot of things but he's a big musical theater person he was in the original broadway cast of in the heights and oh shit this just reminds me of something else we can watch this season there's a movie called camp that is an original movie musical that he is in and okay. we'll probably be i'm gonna put that one on the docket actually i think that one might right. be pretty fun to watch i think you'd hate it but like i think it great. might be <laughs> so i'm definitely gonna put that one on the docket but um he, he's great in that and i love i was very happy to see him but again it's just kind of like the same issues I have with Rent. That, underused. Like, yeah, yeah like underused, I said, like, yeah. The, that should have been his fucking number. Yeah. It shouldn't have been Andrew Garfield in the fucking rain playing on a piano, like trying to be Elton John. Should have been Michael's number. Okay, so I guess that about wraps up, unless there's anything else you wanted to discuss about Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, You know, I, I do, I do, seeing it again, I'm like, I, I, this does hit something in me that Rent seems to, to have completely flown over. Mm-hmm. Like, there is a piece yeah. of my soul that does respond to Tick, Tick, Boom, even if it is a little like solipsistic or mm-hmm. just about an annoying 30 year old man. And there's already so yeah. much energy I can only give to annoying men in their 30s. I don't know who else would be in this conversation. Nobody. That, that might be nobody. relevant. Men in too. their 30s are relevant. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, that that being in all seriousness, that being said, I'm like, there, 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 it is a nice, you know, small scale reflection on just man, I'm going to die one day and I'd like to make something. Um, yeah, it's important to remember that. And I do like how it ends with like, you know, Susan being like, well, bye. <laughs> you know? Yeah, bye, yeah. Girl. bye, bitch. Bye, here's some, here's a birthday present and, and goodbye. There are consequences for his selfishness, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Rent, they just kind of all are like hold hands at the end. Oh, I forgot to ask one last thing before we go. Did they never actually put on the stage version of his... Superbia or Suburbia, whatever Superbia, it was called. Superbia, yeah. Nope. It never got a stage production as far as I am aware. I'm very curious to see what that was all about. It seems like pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I've actually never like listened to, I, I'm sure there's like bits and pieces you can find on the internet of it that people who mm. really like Jonathan Larson have gotten their hands on, but I have not yeah. trawled that part of the internet yet. I'm still busy watching bootlegs of Phantom of the Opera, so. Uh, right, right. Writing fan fiction. <laughs> right, and writing fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> what and is- on that note... <laughs> Rent is just Blabo-M fan fiction. Leave me alone. Okay. I'm Jonathan Larson. Uh, I'm a genius. Right. 
All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please go ahead and subscribe and give us a good review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Musical Splainin with no G, at Musical Splainin with a G on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Kavataharian. And on Instagram, I am at Permafriends. Oh, I am. I want to say, number one, I'm very excited to be here. I think we're going to have a lot yeah. of fun. I can't yes. wait. Can't wait to make you more miserable, too. Um, but <laughs> um, you're Angela, failing miserably so far. I'm having I know. a lovely time. So. I'm just already thinking, I'm like, I got to step your game up. What am I going to pull out now? And I, I have yeah. I have some ideas <laughs> like I have some real ideas. I was actually like very surprised by how much you seem to enjoy this comp- comparatively to what I thought you were going to say. Um, but I am Angelina Meehan. I am on Twitter at why Angelina, why the word why like W H Y Y, but minus a Y. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm why Angelina, why on Twitter. And then I'm Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram. Um, Thank you for having me. I say this like I'm going to leave and never talk to yeah, you again. Yeah, we're not but... having you. you. You moved in. You're no longer a guest. You got to pay fucking rent. Oh, shit. You got to fill up groceries in the fridge. Oh, you got to clean up. Well, wash the toilets. Gonna, we're not going to pay rent. I learned one yeah. thing from musical theater, and it's I'm not going to pay rent. We're and I hate musicals. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you at the streaming service. Oh. Whatever. I don't know. To okay. the Netflix stars. Yeah. <laughs>